The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Game Time. Snag tickets without the stress. Use promo code SGPN on your first purchase. Save $20. Download the Game Time app and use promo code SGPN. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog just added Pick'em Scorchers, where you could win 100 times your money. That's right, $5 into $500 in one game. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to $500. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast. Now, it is currently Monday evening, October 9th. Number host, always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the round of 16 at the Shanghai Masters. So we are going to go through all of the eight matches on the schedule. Four matches taking place on a Tuesday morning and then four matches taking place on Wednesday a little bit of a weird schedule. I thought we might end up merging all the matches on one day, and then we'd end up having a day off later in the tournament, but that's not the case. So as a result, we are going to break it down by day, and we're going to start off going through the actual recap of the round of 32. Starting off with the Lock and Hog picks, overall ended up going decently. Did lose the lock pretty convincingly, as we had Manorino plus four against Rublev, and he got curb stomped. However, did win the dog. We had Sissipas and Umber over two and a half sets of plus 130. That got there as Umber actually won in three sets. I can't say that I'm totally shocked that Sissipas lost because I mentioned this several times on the show in the US Open podcast and prior. Sissipas, historically speaking, is really not good against lefties. And we saw that in the US Open against Stricker, where I said that Stricker was alive. But when you have Sissipas' one-handed backhand cross-court challenging forehands, he gets exposed pretty badly. And we saw it once again in the Umber match. But nice win by him. As for the actual leans that we did for the Monday action, overall, we did very well. So we thought Dimitrov would win. That got there. We like the over two and a half sets in the Paul Phils match. That got there. We like the over... 20 games in the Schwartzman-Fritz match. That got there. Wrong about Manorino. Wrong about Jari. We thought that would go three. Uh, besides that, we thought e- we thought Evans would lose in straight sets, but I think we leaned to the under in that one, which did not work out. We did have Wolf and Arnaldi going three, and we also had Umber and Sitipas going three. So overall, a decent episode with the leans included, and hopefully that'll, that'll uh, carry over into Tuesday and Wednesday, but for the sake of the round of 32, I do want to recap what happened as well on Sunday because that was the day we missed. So going through what happened on the Sunday card, it was kind of a merge day because they had some matches rained out from the previous round. So they finished those and then moved on into the round of 32 on the same day. So overall, nothing really jumped out too much. I've mentioned some of the players in the episode yesterday with Schwartzman beating Laheshka and uh, etc. But the point is to go through some of the guys I did not mention. You had Rude burying Eubanks. You had uh, Korda beating Medvedev, which was a bit surprising as an upset, but I wasn't as shocked about it once I heard Medvedev's comments after winning the previous match. He faced off against Green, I believe, and they interviewed Medvedev and asked what he thought about the overall match and the courts in Shanghai. And he said last year he loved the courts because they were very fast. Or the last time he was here, they were very fast. And he said that this year 
they were very slow. In fact, they were even slower than Indian Wells. And we know how miserable Medvedev was playing on these slow courts in Indian Wells. So I wasn't totally shocked that Medvedev lost against Korda. The real story was the tiebreak because Medvedev just kept double faulting in the tiebreak. He had a couple of set points, insisted on going bomb second serves, missed basically all of them, and it felt like he punted the first set when he didn't really need to. Besides that, uh, to think of anything else, you had Shelton, who pulled off the upset against Safulin. Nice win there. Safulin won the first set, 6-3, and I kind of thought he would roll. And then Shelton came back and won the next two, so good for him. You had Sarundolo beating Fuksovic in three, which wasn't totally shocking, but it was kind of funny because every time... Fuksovic takes his shirt off in celebration of a marathon match. He's basically guaranteed to lose the match after. It happens all the time, and it's pretty funny. But either way, you saw the marathon that Fuksovic had in the first round against Felix. Then he ended up facing off against Sarundolo after the marathon where he took his shirt off in the end, and he lost in three uh Overall, not really his fault there. Srundle was favored, but I just found that amusing. Besides that, you had saw Sinner beat Baez in three, and Zhang had a nice win against Nakashima. And, of course, the matches yesterday just went through. So, nothing insanely shocking, but Mevedev losing might have caught some people by surprise. But then again, his comments about the lack of proper pace on the courts definitely suggested that Medvedev was not feeling too comfortable on these courts. So I wasn't as shocked when I saw the result after I heard those uh, quotes at, uh, following the green match. But anyway, time to actually get into the round of 16. So starting off with the Tuesday card, you have the first match between Rude and Morozin. Now, Rude is a pretty decent favorite here at minus 282. And Morozin is around plus uh, 237. You have rooted around minus 3.5 at minus 105. Morozin plus 3.5 is minus 115. Over-under is 22.5. Over is minus 101. Under is minus 119. For the sets, you have Rude to win in straight sets is minus 120. Morozin to win a set is minus 110. Over 2.5 sets is plus 165. So simply put, Morozin has had a pretty solid Cinderella run here. And he did look pretty sharp against Dimenauer in that upset win he had. But to go through the overall form of both players, Morozin has not dropped a set yet. He beat Rinderkinich in, th- in two, beat Dimenauer in two, and beat Lahovic in two. As for Rude, he's looked very good as well. Beat Nishioka in straight sets and beat Eubanks in straight sets. Even though Morozin is in good form in this event, I do think I have to go with Rude to get the job done. Simply put, it is a pretty decent step up in competition. Now, Dimenauer is a good win. That was competitive. Lahovic was a bit of a Cinderella, which I think most people didn't exactly expect to make it that far. But the point is, I do think that Rude is in good form. I'm not saying Eubanks is a good player, but the fact that he's a great server and Rude was able to beat him no problem, does kind of hold credence to Medvedev's comments about how slow the actual courts are playing. And I do think that Rublev's, not Rublev, sorry, I do think that Rude's overall topspin on his strokes is going to give Morozin problems, and I do think that Rude can outlast Morozin in a couple of long rallies. So I do think that Rude is pretty live to win this in straight sets, and I think that is my favorite wager in this match. Now moving on to the next match, you have Sarundalo taking on Korda. Now Korda once again is off his one of the bigger wins of the year for him, as he beat Medvedev again. Uh, but looking at the actual odds here, Korda is minus 205. Sarandolo is plus 175. You have Korda minus 3.5 min- at uh, minus 101. You have Sarandolo plus 3.5 at minus 119. Over-under for games is 22 at minus 110 on each side. Korda to win in straight sets is plus 120. Sarandolo to win eight set is minus 150. And the over 2.5 sets is plus 150. So looking at the actual head-to-head between these players, 
it does not exist. Never face off against each other. And I do think this match is pretty interesting. Now, Korda had a pretty deep run in Astana, where he lost in the final against Manorino. Then he's looked pretty sharp because he ended up beating a relative unknown in the first round and then beat Medvedev in the second round. I mentioned Medvedev not feeling comfortable about the courts, but Korda did play sharp, and I thought he looked very consistent and solid. So looking at the overall match here, I think I have to lean to Korda because I do think that Korda is in better form, and I do think that Korda is the better player. Sarundal has been fine. He just hasn't really played against anybody. Beat McDonald in straight sets, 7-6, seven, 7-6, six, seven, six, and you ended up beating Fuksovics, who was exhausted after that Felix match in three. Don't get me wrong, survive in advance matters, but I do think that Korda is in better form. So I do think that Korda is going to win, and I do think that I would lean to the plus money at straight sets. Maybe a tiebreaker in there. It wouldn't shock me if Korda did lose a set, but plus 120 for the far better hardcore player, I think is a pretty good value. So I am going to go with that. Moving on to the next match, you have Shelton taking on Sinner. Sinner is a big favorite at minus 350. You have Shelton at plus 280. You have the spread being uh, Sinner minus 3.5 and, and minus 111. Shelton plus 3.5 and, and minus 109. Over under for the games is 22.5. And, and for the actual... Sets, you have Sinner to win in straight sets at minus 125. Shelton to win a set at minus 105. And the over two and a half games, uh, two and a half sets, I mean, is plus 160. So Sinner has been playing well. However, he has been a bit vulnerable so far in this event. I mentioned before that he lost a set to Baez into the last round. He also had a hard time against Giroux, and it looked like he was going to drop that first set and then came back and won it. But the point is, Sinner has been playing a lot of tennis after winning the Beijing title, didn't really take much time off, and it seems like his level is definitely not where it was in Beijing. Shelton, on the other hand, has been very solid, played in the Labor Cup, and he looked pretty sharp, then had a long layoff. So unlike Sinner, he is pretty rested. And you're looking at how he's been playing. He ended up beating Munar in straight sets, and he beats Safulin, who I think has been in great form. We saw Safulin bury Murray and Zverev, and Shelton beat him in three. So I do like the form Shelton is in. I think Shelton's pretty live to actually win this match. And I'm not saying he's going to, but I do think that even though Sinner is a very high-powered guy in terms of his overall just strokes and how his forehand and backhand are devastating when they're on. The slow pace of the courts, I think, actually benefits Shelton in a way because Shelton's big serve can very uh, really just take over the match if he's able to uh, end points relatively quickly. And since Sinner is off a three-setter against Baez and he's been forced to play a lot of tennis recently, I do think that Shelton is quite alive to make this very interesting. I think he might win a set. I do think that over two and a half sets of plus 160 is worth a look, but I am going to go with Shelton plus three and a half games at minus 109 as my main lean there. Maybe the over 22 and a half, because I do think that a tiebreaker is, I don't want to say likely, but definitely a strong possibility. Those are my two main leans, the plus three and a half and the over 22 and a half. I see a breaker, and I think that you're going to end up seeing Shelton keep center on his toes for the entire match. But I think Sinner might win, but I think the value is definitely on Shelton. I think Sinner should be a smaller favorite. And moving on to the final match on the Tuesday card, you have Hercatch taking on Zhang. Hercatch is minus 225 in the money line, where Zhang is plus 195. For the spread, you have Hercatch minus 2.5 and minus 119, and Zhang plus 2.5 and minus 101. Over-unders, 23.5 games. You have minus 109 in the over, minus 111 on the under. Uh, Hercatch winning straight sets is plus 125. Zhang to win a set is minus 155, and the over two and a half sets is plus 130. Uh, the under is minus 160. So going through the head-to-head between these two players, they have faced off a grand total 
of, I believe it's zero times. Let me just confirm. They faced off once. Uh, Hercatch did win in this exact tournament, actually, in Shanghai back in 2019. So that was a long time ago. It was 7-6-6-4. Now, Zhang, being Chinese, does have the home crowd advantage. And he has looked pretty sharp so far. Beat Gasquet, 6-1-6-2. Buried him. Beat Echeverry in three. Echeverry's been in good form. And he ended up beating Nakashima in straight sets. Nakashima had... Uh, bageled Rune and won that match in straight sets, but Rune's been terrible for about two, three months. So it appears that it was mostly Rune being bad as opposed to Nakashima being good, but Jang did beat him in straight sets. Now, for the sake of this match, I do think that her catch is the better player and he's looked like it so far in this event, but I do think that Jang is good enough at serving to keep this match very, very close. And I do like the over in this match. I know it's 23 and a half. I wish it was 22 and a half. But I do think you're looking at what could be multiple tie breaks, maybe a three-setter. I don't mind the over two and a half sets of plus 130. I don't think Zhang's going to win in straight sets. So I do think that, once again, the over two and a half sets at plus 130 is a better look than Zhang to win a set at minus 155. Because I don't think that the odds of Zhang winning in straight sets is that likely. But looking at the overall matchup, I think Hercatch is the better player. But Jang has a lot of firepower too. We know Hercatch is a bad server who constantly, I mean, is a Hercatch is a bad returner who constantly goes to tie breaks. And I think that tie breaks are inevitable in this match. I am going to go with the uh, underdog here plus the games at two and a half. And I am going to go with the overs, 23 and a half games and the over two and a half sets. Of course, I feel better about the overs than Zhang plus the games. But if I expect a war, then I'm not going to take the favorite. And moving to the actual matches taking place on Wednesday. So starting off with the first match, which will be between Alcaraz and... Well, I don't actually have the exact order for the matches here. So I'm just going to go in the order that they're laid out. Uh, for now, you have Alcaraz taking on Dimitrov, which should be a, a pretty fun match. Alcaraz is a massive favorite at around minus 500, give or take, minus 540. You have Dimitrov at plus 424. For the games here, Alcaraz minus 4 is minus 128. Dimitrov plus 4 is plus 108. And the over-under for games is 21.5. Under is minus 115. Over is minus 105. Now, for the sets here, Alcar's minus 1.5 sets is minus 160. Dimitrov plus 1.5 sets is plus 130. Over 2.5 sets is plus 190. Now, they faced off three times in their careers. And, in fact, two times this year. And Alcaraz has won in straight sets every time. Faced off in Paris last year in straight sets. Alcaraz won 6-1-6-3. They faced off on clay. In Madrid this year, Alcaraz won 6-2-7-5. And they faced off in London, and Alcaraz did win 6-4-6-4. So three matches, three different surfaces, but the pace of play on the court itself in Shanghai is slower than Paris. So I do wonder if I can actually use that Paris result at all. Alcaraz is going to win. I don't think Dimitrov has a shot to actually win the match. However, the question is, do I think Alcaraz is struggles to put away weaker competition are going to come back and bite him in this match? Maybe somewhat, but I definitely think Alcaraz in straight sets is worth a look here. Dimitrov has been good, though. Beat Vukic and Kashanov in straight sets. But Alcaraz has once again been a guy who's dominated this head-to-head -head pretty convincingly. So I am going to go with Alcaraz to win in straight sets at minus 160. I think he wins. Maybe get a breaker in there. Maybe a 7-5. But give me some type of 7-5, 6-4 scoreline. Give me Alcaraz to win in straight sets at minus 160. Moving on to the next match, you have Umber taking on Wolf. Umber is a pretty decent favorite here as Umber 
is around minus 146. You have Wolf at plus 126. Um, you have Umber minus one and a half games at minus 114. Wolf plus one and a half games at minus 106. Over under is 23. Over is minus 109. The under is minus 111. And for the actual set wagering here, Umber to win in straight sets is plus 175. And the over two and a half sets is plus 135. So looking at the actual head to head, Umber did beat him in the first meeting back in Indian Wells in 2019 as he won in straight sets. It was four years ago, so that really doesn't matter. As for the overall path of both players, Wolf has been a three-set magnet, three sets against Katchen, three sets against Nori, three sets against Rinaldi, which is why I also lean to the over two and a half sets in that match. As for Umber, he's been the same way because he went to three sets in each of his last six singles matches, which is kind of absurd. Played Nori in the Davis Cup, went three, then all three matches in Beijing, went three, and then all of the two matches he's played so far in Shanghai also went three. So simply put, I'm on the over two and a half sets. I just think that the overall consistency that each player has been involved in three set marathons tells me that plus 135 is off. And the fact that the money line is only minus 146 does tell me that this line should be lower, probably closer to plus 125. Give me the over two and a half sets. I think that this is a very good spot to see a war once again. And I do think that is going to be in the cards. So give me the over two and a half sets at plus 135. And for the next match, you have Jari taking on Schwartzman. Now, Schwartzman's had kind of a comeback recently as he's been really good. Simply put, had a nice comeback win against Fritz in the third set there on Monday. But to go through the odds here, Jari is minus 210 and Schwartzman is plus 180. As for the over-under, 22.5, minus 105 to the over, minus 115 to the under. And Schwartzman plus three games is minus 110. Jari minus three games is minus 110. For Jari to win in straight sets, that is plus 120. For Schwartzman to win a set, that is minus 150. And the over two and a half sets is plus 150. Now, historically speaking, Schwartzman has owned Jari in the past. They faced off five times. Now, a couple of them were several years ago. Faced off three, four times, actually, in 2018. And Schwartzman did win every meeting in straight sets. Then they faced off in Santiago in 2023 on clay and Jari did win that one in three sets. You might remember that was actually the event that Jari won in his home country. And yet Schwartzman was able to take a set off him and even go to a final set breaker. Simply put though, I do think that Jari is the better player, but Schwartzman has been in pretty good form and he has been no stranger to forcing three sets. You can argue that fatigue is going to be an issue for Schwartzman because he has had that many marathons in a row where Jari has won in straight sets convincingly against Otman and against Sonigo. Impressive win against Sonigo. I do think based on the head-to-head and based on Schwartzman's form, I'm going to lean to the over uh, two and a half sets here at plus uh, 150, which I think is a very good deal. I do think Jari, once again, is going to win this match because I do think that Schwartzman, fatigue-wise, is going to struggle in the third set potentially, but you got to get there. And I think that you're probably going to. So I'm going to lean to the over 22 and a half, and I am going to go with the over two and a half sets at plus 150. I will lean to Schwartzman though, plus one and a half sets at minus 150 as well. Moving on to the final match of the episode, you have Paul taking on Rublev. Uh, Rublev is a decent favorite as he's minus 210. Paul's plus 180. As for the game spread, Rublev minus three is plus 100. Paul plus three is minus 120. And the over-under in games is 22 and a half, minus 110 on the over, minus 110 on the under. Rublev to win in straight sets is plus 130. Paul to win a set is minus 160. Uh, the match to go th- three is plus 140, and the match to end in two is minus 170. So in the head-to-head, Rublev has owned Paul 
In the past, they faced off five times, and Rublev is four and one. However, most of those matches were actually on clay. They've had two hardcore matches. One was in 2018 in Washington, and Rublev won that one in straight sets, but that was 2018, so it means nothing. The other was actually a Paul win in Indian Wells, and that took place in 2021. So Paul did win the most recent meeting on hardcore between these players. So I'm not saying, once again, that's going to tell me Paul's going to win this match. But it tells me that Paul definitely has the ability to get the job done since he won the last hardcore match against Rublev about two years ago. Then again, it was two years ago, so I'm not sure if it actually applies. But simply put, they faced off again after Indian Wells. I actually misspoke. They they faced off in Indian Wells, and Paul did win. They faced off again on hardcore in uh, Gijon in Spain in 2022, and you saw Rublev win in straight sets. I do think it's worth mentioning that Paul has had a decent stretch lately, but not amazing. Did get buried by Rude in the Laver Cup. Uh, before that, lost both matches in the Davis Cup. Then lost in the Laver Cup to Rude. Got buried by Medvedev and then beat Offner and had a three-set war against Phils. As for Rublev, he has been looking pretty sharp recently after losing to Umber in three sets in Beijing, beat Hallis in straight sets, and buried Manorino. I was very impressed. Of course, we lost the dog on that, but the point is we we lost the lock on that, but Rublev did look very sharp, and I was very impressed. I do think that Paul, even though he is a pretty good hardcore player, is really going to struggle dealing with the firepower that Rublev has which has been the case in their careers, but I think there is value on Rublev in straight sets here. Paul against Phils, I expected to go three, but it was mostly based on Phils's ability to play up the competition and the fact that Paul has been a bit vulnerable lately. So I do acknowledge Paul has had some issues since the U.S. Open, and I do think that you're looking at a pretty good spot for Rublev to continue winning in straight sets. Give me Rublev in straight sets at plus 130. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual matches. Now it's time for the actual lock and dog picks. But before continuing that, I can have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I personally love attending sporting events in person. It used to be very annoying to actually do because you had to find a ticket platform that you could trust. But that changed once I found out about Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all these sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. And they also have some great features on their app, including images of seat views. Maybe in the past, you bought a ticket and you thought you were going to get a great view of the action. And next thing you know, you had an obstruction in your way and you realize you wasted money because you could not see the action you were paying to see. That's not an issue with the Game Time app because with the images of seat views feature, it'll show you the exact view you will get if you purchase a specific seat. So once again, you don't have to worry about getting an obstructed view. Plus, Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find the tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Sign tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, Use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code SGPN for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. Underdog also just introduced Scorchers. Go five for five and pick them Scorchers and enjoy a spicy 100 times your money. From now until October 4th, Underdog is matching 100% of your first deposit up to $500. $100,000 Sundays continue. Underdog Fantasy, 10 lucky players will win $10,000 each. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over Underdog's mobile app or website, UnderdogFantasy.com. And when you sign up, use promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your first spots up to $500. It's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the eight matches taking place in Shanghai for the round of 16. Now it's time for the actual lock and dog pick, starting off with the lock for the show. I actually am going to go to a pretty obscure play that I do like quite a bit. It's going to be in the Sinner and Shelton match, and it is actually going to be at even money. I'm going to take the first set spread. I'm going to go with Shelton plus one and a half games in the first set at even money. Couple reasons why I'm going to take this. First reason, it's actually been a while since Sinner has covered this number in the first set. Lost to Baez by three games in the last match. Beat Giron in the first set, 7-6, so that was a tiebreaker. Beat Medvedev, 7-6 beat Alcaraz 7-6. So it's been four straight matches since Sinner's actually covered a minus one net spread in the first set, which suggests that once again, he's having a hard time breaking opponents early in matches, and he should have dropped the first set in each of the two matches here in Shanghai. Instead, he ended up coming back and beating Giron in that breaker. But you're looking at Shelton, and he did lose the first set to Fulon. Fulon was in great form, ended up beating Munar in the first set, ended up beating Phils in the in, uh the first set as well. He's been in good form, especially early in matches. Now, from what we've seen from Sinner in this event in particular, he's been a slow starter and a very fast finisher because he has kind of buried Baez and Giron in the sets after uh, the first set. But I think when you're looking at this overall matchup, Shelton is a very good server. All we need is six straight holds from Shelton. That's it. Or if Sinner struggles early and Shelton can get a break, then that helps too. But I do think getting a good server to hold six times in a row at even money against a guy that has not covered this line in four straight matches, I think it's a good deal. And I think that a tiebreaker is pretty likely, actually, in the first set. So give me Shelton plus one and a half games in the first set at even money as my lock. And for my dog, I am going to go to the matches taking place on Wednesday. And I am going to look at the Wolf and Umber match. Simply put, I'm on the over two and a half sets again. I'm going to take it at plus 135. It's the same exact logic that we had for taking the over in the Arnaldi match against Papyron uh, a couple of episodes ago, and that trend continues. But you're looking at the tendency of both players to go the distance, and it is pretty often. I mentioned it during the actual match preview. I'm going to go through it again. So Umber has gone to three sets in each of his last six matches. So uh, six last uh, singles matches. So once again, he's been a marathon man. And Wolf has gone to three sets in each of the first three rounds of this event. So simply put, I think it's a match made in heaven. Umber, six straight, three setters, sure. I think that the odds are too high here. I think that plus 135 should be closer to plus 120. So I'm going to go with the value and expect both guys to win a set, which should result in a very entertaining third set. But anyway, the lock and out picks of the show. The lock's going to be on Shelton. First set, plus one and a half games at even money. And my dog will be Wolf and Umber over two and a half sets at plus 135. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me on Twitter at Ratio Radio. Find me on the NBA show, the MLB show, the 
uh, WNBA show to get the point. But either way, I'll be back once again for the quarterfinals in Shanghai. Until then, good, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.